Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. This is David Andelman. I'm here with a good friend, Naomi Monroe. We both work in the movie and TV industry, and I'm really interested in how people function psychologically in different situations, stay motivated, overcome challenges, navigate their career, and also, you know, what drives them, like what causes, what identities, what stories. And uh, I thought it'd be interesting. I'm certainly interested to know about Naomi. I think she's been really successful in her career. She's Emmy nominated. I've had the pleasure (laughs) of working with Naomi as a director and I love her work. So on that note, how did you uh, first get interested in TV and movies? When did you first start thinking about uh, working in them? Oh, well, um, well, actually, the first time I thought about it was when you made your short, because I didn't know anything about film, but the short for um, Milkshake called Tacoma Park that I didn't really work on, but my twin sister worked on it and my best friend worked on it. Um, That's right. I remember that. Yeah. I mean, I, oh, actually, I did. I painted the room. I didn't work on it. I forgot, like, but I wasn't the designer. I was just helping out. But Yeah, you uh, were helping out. You did some major stuff, but yeah, you were... That was like your first seeing a set, basically. Yeah, I had never been exposed to anything like that before. But I wasn't there during the shoot. I just helped prep because I had to work. Um, So that was my first sort of intro. And then time passed, but I was still doing, I was doing architecture at the time. And then I didn't, I realized I didn't like architecture because how long the projects are uh, and how unsatisfying it is to not see it go up immediately. Um, and I'm pretty impatient. So that, so I moved out of that and did restaurants. Um, and then when I was doing restaurants, actually it was, you produced, uh, smile with Lauren Elner. That's right. And that was the first time I actually really worked on something in the film industry. And that was a short that I production designed, which I didn't know what that meant, but I essentially just like dressed a bedroom and like, you know, did props and stuff like that. But you know, so was Lauren and so was Dave. We all did the art department together, kind of. Um, mm-hmm. But that was my real first intro and I loved it. Um, but I was still doing restaurants. And after my restaurant job was over, those restaurants were designed. I wasn't sure what to do, but I did remember doing loving working on the shorts. And um, I happened to be at a book signing of a comedian that I really liked. And he also had a TV show that I was a huge fan of. And I ran into a friend there who I didn't know was into comedy. And I was like, what, what are you doing here? And she was like, oh, I had to come because she was working on his TV show. And that's when I was like, oh, can you give me a job? (laughs) And she was like, yeah, actually, I want to move from art department to costume design. So let me see if you can replace me. And uh, she got me an interview and I got the job. It was $125 a day for like, 16 hour days of heavy lifting and not, you know, it, it was insane, but I was like super excited to do it. And that's how I really got my foot in the door in New York. Okay. Let, let's get a few little details right there real quick. So you went to this signing with the, uh, who was the comedian? Um, so, okay. The show that he made is called Delocated that I was a huge fan of. And his name is John Glazer. He's like a pretty famous comedian. But He's you like said a, you were going to a... Um, the book signing. So the book signing was John Glazer's book signing. Okay. And it was for, what is the book called? 
something, my dad was in ZZ Top. I think that's what it was called. Or okay. that was the story that I remember from the book. Okay. So I'm really interested in dissecting these moments like a little deeper. So you basically uh, go to this book signing. So the book signing actually, sorry, it was a book reading, not a book, book signing. Reading. And it was okay, book what reading. it really was, was he was like selling the book, but also he got a bunch of other comedians to read excerpts from his book. Right. Stage. And Which like, it's like, so like, it brings the crowd, the more names, the better. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like really famous people like John Hamm. Sure. Right. One of them. Um, I don't remember the other people's names, but they were all famous comedians. <laughs> sure. So, uh, all right. So that's really interesting because right away I see that you're, you know, operating from a sense of like personal uh, power or what have you. Like, uh, you're, you know, you're following your own personal interest, you know? Yeah, it wasn't, it had nothing to do with like, for me, it was pure entertainment. It wasn't like, yeah, you are chasing your passion, like, and then, or I'm using my own words, but it seems like, and then you meet a friend there. Yeah, who I didn't, the thing is, I, well, back then, what I didn't know is I actually didn't talk to my friends that much about their jobs. So, like, and this, this friend of mine was, uh, she was the little sister of one of my best friends. And I knew she did some kind of art thing, but I didn't really ask her any questions, like, but it turns out that I did have some friends in the industry and I didn't even realize it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And it sounds like, uh, you know, you weren't shy about making the ask, you know, you oh, were, I was definitely not shy. I was like, please get me this job. <laughs> yeah. And also, you know, one thing is like, you can't get lucky if you're not, you know, you had to be in the right place in the right time, but you also have to be like active and ready. You know, oh, like definitely. you, you could have just went to that thing and sat there and laughed at the jokes and went home, you know, but you didn't, you know? Yeah. And also like when I, when she got me the interview, it wasn't like, I wasn't sure if I was actually going to get the job, but I was just like, I wanted it so badly. And this designer could tell that I would work really hard. And so I think that's what got me it. I was just like, I really want this. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's fascinating. And then it was, it sounds like, you know, it was a, these are like, from an objective standpoint, like long days, lifting hard, you know, sounds like yeah. hard work, but uh, it also sounds like you really enjoyed it, you know? Oh, I loved it. It was, and also that's how, like, I, my best friends now all came from that job. That's awesome. And so tell me when you're on the job, where does the fulfillment come from for you? Well, okay, so that one was different than it is now because that was non-union. So for that one, the fulfillment comes from the fact that we're all literally doing everything together. Like it's not, it wasn't super segmented. Like we all like contributed the same amounts equally, I feel like, to all of the sets. We all lifted stuff out of the truck. We all set everything up. And it was like a, very much like a team. Mm -hmm. And because we were so, you know, we were all really young. So then we would always go out after work too. So we were just like constantly together, working really hard, you know, put in really crazy situations and getting through them together and having fun. Mm -hmm. That sounds awesome to me. That sounds awesome. Uh, but I do wonder where does that come from? Like, uh, it sounds like teamwork and like the connection, like everyone doing it together. I, yeah, like I feel like also, 
I think like I've been in other scenarios where it's not good. Like it's like we all happen to vibe with each other. Like that was like a very lucky thing that we all, even though we're all super different, yeah. um, we just like, we got each other's sense of humor. You know, we are just, I've been on cruise where it's not like that. Mm -hmm. um, sure. So it was partially lucky that it was so fun. I see. But also we all were learning so much because we were all brand new. None of us really knew what we were doing. <laughs> <laughs> learning together, all working together, uh, vibing together. And then, uh, well, where also, do you there, there was no snobbiness. That was one huge contribution was that nobody thought they knew better than anyone else because none of us had really done it before. Mm. So we all were equals. Equality is a value yeah. potentially for a good yeah. shoot. That's interesting. So where, where do you think these values, you, did you always have these values? Like even when you were working in architecture or designing the restaurants? Um, or and where do you think they came from? Like, how did you form an identity based around, like you could go for more money somewhere else, but you're not like you, you've placed oh, a value on. I think it's because I was so unhappy. I knew what it was like to be unhappy at a job. Mm. And for me, that was going to an office every day for years. Um, and working with the same people that entire time. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like I enjoy three months at a time. Nice and I've never, I, mean, I haven't worked on any huge TV shows that are like the biggest, the longest I've ever worked on a job is six months. You know, it's going to be over the end is in sight. You don't get as like, the thing is you spend so much time with these people that like, if you didn't see the end, you could start getting sick of each other. Right. <laughs> well, there's nothing change variety, you know, yeah. it's either variety or it's, or growth. I mean, the, or it might just be the illusion of growth, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, like the change. Uh, that's interesting. But where as a person do you think you started? So you didn't like the other job and that led to valuing, uh, value. Well, actually, you know what I did? I didn't, I, well, actually, I remember every morning waking up and like really, really not wanting to go to work. And that feeling I had for like two years, like I was at this firm for three years and the first year I didn't feel that way. Second and third year, every single day, I really didn't want to go to work. Mm. And that sucks. And I thought that was just like how life was. <laughs> but then, um, but then I realized it didn't have to be when I got out of the firm and I worked for the restaurant and that every day I looked forward to going to work. Like I actually really loved that job, but it was like a temporary job. I just, I helped the owner start up his like three restaurants, but it was a contracted job and it was going to be over. And I feel like that's when I realized I should freelance. That's because, okay. Okay. Yeah. So that led to you enjoyed the freelance lifestyle. Yes. And what made you want to go from doing a restaurant to doing, cause I've seen some of your restaurants in the city, they looked gorgeous that, you know, or they each had different vibes, you know, but what made you want to transition from that to doing uh, the movies and the TV? Yeah, okay, well, first of all, but, the, the, but there's a huge difference with the restaurants. I worked for an owner who is a designer. So it, I was always working under him um, and it was completely his vision. I just helped him accomplish his vision which was awesome because he is great. But um, I mean, of course, like I did contribute, of course, because it was just me and him, he can't do everything. So, um, but in, in film and TV, you're like, when you're the designer, you're doing, it's your vision. I mean, it's the director's vision, but you're really in control. And there's like, 
not that much time to argue about it. <laughs> so you just have to kind of push forward and do it. Mm -hmm. um, and also if you're working with a good production designer, which I luckily have, they trust you and they rely on your vision as well. So it's like, I actually feel like I have more creative freedom in film and TV than I ever did in architecture or the restaurants. So that is one thing. You that's feel great. more what? Sorry, what was that last part? More creative freedom. More of creative freedom. But the other thing that I realized I did not like about working in restaurants is the fact that everyone's obsessed with being hip. And I did not like that. I also like, I also like was in, I worked at a denim store before the architecture firm where it was like fashion, fashion, fashion. I met all these people who were obsessed with like fashion and being cool. And uh, I'm not that interested in that. And in film and TV, sometimes it's like that, but it's mainly just you're trying to like build character through the sets. So it's not about being cool. It's about the story. And that's what I really liked about it. Mm, very fascinating. I remember the, the fashion world and it was quite fun in its own right. But uh, yeah. I mean, I have no regrets, but it's like not something I'm really deeply interested in. Yeah, yeah. So I see now I'm starting to see uh, a lot of it seems like a lot of your choices, you're starting to find like through almost like trial and error things that you don't like. And then you shift accordingly to just keep finding more and more things you enjoy in life. Yeah. Yeah. I just tried things out and then this stuck for me. That's fascinating. Yeah, that's so you but you've got a nice motor to keep changing. It's not like you get I've seen some people, you know, they can get stuck for 20 years in something they don't like. You know, oh, like, yeah. I'm, uh, I, I'm not. Well, I don't know. Maybe I motor, what do you think? By the way, this reminds me quickly of one thing that Elon Musk said recently. He's like, I just try to make every day less mistakes than I made yesterday. <laughs> Yeah. Which I thought was funny because you're, <laughs> you're like co course correcting with each of these. Uh, well, that's how every job is too. Even now that I've like had experience, you are constantly, you know, you're learning from your mistakes, but you have to not be afraid of making mistakes either. Totally. Yeah. I, I, I totally uh, agree with that. You have to be willing to make mistakes. Otherwise, how do you learn? You know, unless you're know. modeling somebody that's already uh, very the getting the results you want, then you can quickly get those results by modeling them. But that doesn't mean that your identity is built to enjoy the same things as that. You know, you might model and get their same results and be unhappy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I'm getting a better understanding of, uh, you know, how you operate here, but so, which is awesome. I, I really like this, but what, um, uh, now that we're getting more into the film details, like when you're, when you're getting a script now, or when you're first meeting the director, how do you choose your projects? Well, for me, okay, so there's one thing that I have to mention, which is now I I art direct mainly. So the designer hires me. Like I've also designed, but like I more than that, I art direct. So it's for me, uh, it's like the the designer is the one who gets hired by the director, and then the designer hires me. So, but, but still you choose what projects you want to work on, mm -hmm. but I don't have as many extensive conversations with the directors or anything like that on most of the jobs I work on until after we've started. Mm -hmm. But, um, but that being said, uh, the way I used to pick jobs was I took every single job that I was offered. 
And that was like, I literally would just, but yeah, I I happened to be, I was in a niche, like adult swim comedy show when I started out. I was in this niche category where I happened to love all of those shows. So I did, I loved everything I worked on. I, and I loved working on them and I also loved the shows themselves. So like that was very lucky. But then, but then once like I started art directing more, uh, that's when you have to kind of pick and choose. And for me, half of it is the designer. It's like, actually it's more than half. It's like, it's who I want to work for directly. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact that I, I think that they are making they make good decisions on the projects they work on. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm kind of relying on like what they think, like the, the jobs that they choose. I see. And, and tell us a little bit about that last transition. Cause I kind of skipped that. We left off with you designing and then you started more art directing. Was that more of a choice or was that more of a, was that sort that of was just how it happened? Well, okay. So the way basically I started out set decorating, which is, you know, which I loved. And that's what I thought I wanted to do, but I could not get into that union because it was really hard to get into. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, fact, I was impatient and young and I didn't know that, you know, everyone, it takes like three years to get into that union. And like, when I first started, I was like, not willing to wait that long, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, I mean, when the products I worked on, I basically was also art directing. So I was like, I didn't really know the difference. And so I was like, okay, so I, then I joined the art directing union. And that's when, when I joined that union, when I started working union jobs, I realized they're totally different, the jobs. <laughs> so then like I didn't set decorate it. I only art directed. Um, when you say they're totally different, what do you mean? So set decoration and art direction are like on union jobs, they're totally separate departments within the art department. So like the set decorators, they, they buy, what I used to do was you buy all of the dressing that goes in locations, mm-hmm. but the art, the art director does all the built sets. So basically okay. like they do all the, they, they figure out how to construct the sets and they deal with the carpenters and the painters and all of that kind of stuff. And then in general, they kind of oversee what, how everything goes into each location, but they're not actually shopping for the stuff that goes in the location. Mm-hmm. And that I kind of fell into, I still love and miss set decorating, but the way this industry is, you can't do both. Mm, Because of the unions, the way the division is. I mean, you could, if you're in both unions, but like, I kind of just rolled with art directing and I've been happy so far. So I haven't tried doing anything else. Mm -hmm. I mean, I still, I still like will production design every once in a while and I love it, Mm -hmm. but I'm not like unsatisfied with art directing. So I guess like the way I function is until I'm unhappy, I keep doing the same thing. (laughs) That's great. That's great. And as long as I'm getting a paycheck and surviving, I'm I'm cool with it. (laughs) Great. Okay. Yeah. Uh, You've done some fantastic work. No question about it. Um, One, uh, like you feel free to mention things. I'm going to just talk quickly about one that obviously we did together. We did a movie called Milkshake. Uh, which the distributor retitled American Milkshake. But uh, there was one choice that on that particular project that I thought was so nice, stands out to me, was uh, there was two characters, Henrietta and Jolie, and they were both kind of out there characters, but they had this bond, you know, that that they were tied together as outcasts, you know, and they were both very lonely, I think, and they both uh, mm-hmm. 
you know, anyway, they had this bond and the way they were represented, like Jolie's, Jolie's room was like outer space posters, you know, yeah. Rietta's room was like painted with clouds in, the, uh, uh, in a uh, special type of ceiling. We got that room. What do you call that type of ceiling? I forgot. It's like an A-frame. An A-frame. It's like the, an attic, ce- attic ceiling that's A-frame. Yeah. So she had this attic ceiling that was, uh, painted in clouds and he was in outer space. And I just thought that really captured how these two characters, like their mentalities were so disconnected from reality, even though Henrietta was probably a really wise character, but they're both adolescents. Anyway, it's that kind of- She was a dreamer. (laughs) She was a dreamer, yeah. Yeah, they both- I had very specific characters for them in my head. Oh, absolutely, yeah, as did (laughs) I. And uh, what I liked about working about you was like, you would read the material and then present ideas, you know, oh, yeah. about about the characters or the story and why you thought something would fit, which, but I just want the audience to know, like, how you make those choices. Oh, yeah. Because um, for okay, people so- at home that might want to do this work, you know, this is like, or find inspiration, like, this is something I find super interesting, you know? Yeah, um, well... So it depends on who you're working with. Like for working with you is the kind of ideal for a production designer because you're open to ideas <laughs> and you kind of let me do my thing. Yeah, um, I learned that from someone else, by the way. I didn't make that up, but I, I, I read, you know, like maybe 20 or 30 books that uh, this company, Mississippi Press, put out with all these other directors. And like, yeah, some of them are not like, that and that can be very frustrating for a production designer. <laughs> yeah. So like this, it's ideal. Like when I, that for me, it was like, I just like ran wild with my imagination. I tried a whole bunch of different things out in Photoshop that you don't know about that failed. <laughs> and then I came up with something that I thought didn't fit, like that worked. Um, and then I showed it to you and I don't know if you remember, but like we, we looked at like multiple variations of the colors and everything in like Henry. Oh, I remember. Room. Yeah. 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 So like it was, it's a collaboration, but you were like open to my ideas and like we went in that direction and then together decided, landed on colors and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like finding the color palette and, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it was, uh, so when you're reading, well, <laughs> Just to backtrack for one second, I, I believe it was actually Hal Ashby, like he had done this interview that it really resonated with me and I was reading it and it was like, he was like, if I don't give my department heads the chance to present ideas, then I'll never get the uninfluenced idea. You know what I mean? He, exactly. He's like, I, he's like I, al- I already know my own ideas, but I'll never get the uninfluenced idea if I present them first. You know what I mean? I know. And that's like the whole, the good thing about like working in a team is you want other people's ideas. Like I totally agree with whoever that is and that that's what makes things look better. Yeah. He was a great director, but uh, what did he do? You know, he did the, uh, that oddball couple movie that was so legendary. Harold and Vaughn. Sorry. Oh, Harold and Vaughn. I loved that movie. Yeah, he's done a bunch of other great oh, movies, but that was the one that I watched like 20 times in a row, like writing milkshake. So different directors work in different ways. And uh, yeah. Sometimes so- they're really controlling. Um, and sometimes they're controlling, but they also don't know how to have a vision of how, of space, of like how to organize a space 
and it, it's because it's often this happens with like new directors where they just like are insecure a little bit and as a result they're weirdly stubborn about like everything being perfect but then not knowing how to make it perfect and kind of I don't know it's I usually experience that with new directors mm. uh, but you know the more confident a, di a director is usually I feel like the easier it is because then like they they're okay with mis like they know everyone makes mistakes too and you can present stuff and they can say no it's not working because of this or this but they're still confident and they're still like something's gonna work let's just keep working it out mm -hmm. you know and like absolutely yeah yeah absolutely i uh you know, I go back and forth between writing and directing and also working in post-production. And I worked for Barry Levinson a lot. And he was, uh, he was, I made Milkshake right after doing a movie with him. And, uh, you know, I was assisting him. And then uh, basically, I was like an assistant editor slash associate editor, what have you, like cutting some scenes, working with another editor who's fantastic, who just edited a pilot for me, actually, uh, Aaron Yanes, who's, I love his work. Also just such a super collaborator. But the, the fun thing about working in post with Barry and Aaron is like, uh, yeah, there's no, no one's possessive about ideas. Like no one's like, this yeah. is my idea. Like there's just ideas out there, you know, and some, yeah, of, them, yeah. some of them don't. And, yeah. uh, and that just keeps it flowing. Like yeah. uh, it keeps it evolving in a way that's very quick, you know, like, so it yeah. reaches a place that's uh, really exciting, really fast, you know, or maybe it's whatever the piece is, it might not be exciting, but whatever the piece is, honing in on you know yeah it totally. kind of goes there um when there's no like possession of ideas or I know. of them it's also good for production designers to be that way too and to like realize that their crew could have really good ideas as well and those are the one the production designers i like working with are like that they're not super controlling they want your ideas and like ultimately it's their vision but they know that like they can get something from their crew other than just like literally moving a couch somewhere. So it's like every department should be that way, I think. And then it's like a, an amazing experience. Yeah. It is interesting how that happens. It can be such an amazing experience. Like I've been on shoots. I just, I did this pilot recently, which was super fun. And, uh, and it was one of these shoots that, like we all just had a blast you know what i mean and like when it was done it was amazing i think the i'm excited for people to see the finished thing i haven't put it out yet but uh we're just doing the dialogue edit and the uh the mix and the score is starting to come in but yeah i know what you mean I, there's been other shoots that are like uh much more irritating for some reason yeah yeah <laughs> they're unhappy it's because if people are unhappy working it's not a good experience and yeah. people are generally not very happy when they're just constantly being controlled and not really being allowed to like have their full potential be met. Like, although I guess there are some people who also would rather just like not work hard. <laughs> yeah, that's not the kind of, well, let's talk about, uh, yeah, how do you, do you crew up your department or how does? Uh, so it, it totally depends. Obviously if I'm designing, I crew every, I crew up. Mm -hmm. everyone but um if i'm art directing it it varies but usually like when i started out i would find i find the construction coordinator i find the scenic artists 
and a graphic designer. And then I usually recommend uh, the set decorators and prop masters, but those are mainly the designer chooses the set decorator and the prop master. Okay. And then ultimately the director chooses the prop master. It's like, because the, the prop master is like, for some reason on union jobs, props feels like it's not even in the art department. It's not, it feels like a completely separate department. And I think usually directors, because they're on set all the time dealing with actors and everything, they're much more involved face to face. Directors usually want to meet and approve of the prop master. Mm-hmm. But they don't ever what do you, like they what do you look for when you're making meeting people. I, I guess I want to talk about a couple different things here. But one is like, yeah, what do you look for when you're hiring somebody? And two, um, at times there are multiple jobs on the table and making those choices. And like and also what were the other big choices that you had to make so far in your career? Like, you know, and or oh, other, there's other a big one things. that I made recently which you're constantly you constantly don't know if you made the right choice like it's really hard to sometimes decide on what you're going to work on sometimes it's easy usually at this point in my life i choose to work with new people i haven't ever worked with before over my friends even though like i know i'll have a great time working with my friends but i want to like meet new people see how other people work and learn because i know that like different people work in totally different ways. And I want to know what all those ways are. So for me now, I would like, my choices are based on new meeting new people. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Variety or growth, like these kind of things. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, you'll often pick a job and then you'll do it and you'll wish you did the other job. Mm. That happens like a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but it's fine because you know that you'll get another job and you know whatever like there's so many opportunities that you're bound to you know miss out on something so you can't like constantly be worried about missing out on things yeah you can't be everywhere at once so how, how do you uh stay focused on the getting the most out of the job you're in as opposed to falling into that kind of mentality of wishing you're on a different one i mean i'm still struggling with that <laughs> But, uh, but I mean, usually like once I'm doing a job, it's like so stressful kind of, and I still like it, but it's like, I'm so absorbed in it that I don't even, I can't even think about anything else. Mm-hmm. All I can think of is that job. I don't have the energy to like worry about anything else. <laughs> Absolutely. No, so, I, you know, from having worked on many other sets, you know, I, I I will say, yeah, you are one of the most committed um, people I've ever seen. In, in oh, a, like, uh, well, thank you. <laughs> your work ethic is amazing. I'm actually really curious about how you maintain that. Like, where does that come from? I don't know where it comes from. Uh, I think I've just always been that way. Well, no, I haven't because I didn't care when I was in architecture. I just went home, I would show up to work at nine, come home at seven. And that was my day. And I just did what I could do in that time, Um, which is actually probably a healthier way of being (laughs) than I am now. But I guess, you know, it's because I just really, I care so much about doing a good job. And it's because I care a lot about the project. So like I want the project to succeed really badly. So (laughs) yeah, absolutely. It makes me work really hard. That makes sense. That makes sense. Which is another note on like, it's, it's good to do jobs that you 
want to watch in my opinion it's like it's like in, and it's not even for me about if it's going to look good like of course we want it to look good but like it's more important to me that the project itself is good mm-hmm. yeah the heart of it or when you say the project itself like like, how, like the story and the characters and like i want i want to like what it turns into I don't, I'm not necessarily concerned with, I really hope people think that my sets look good. Although like, of course, I hope they do, but like, that's not like my primary concern is not that it's, it makes a good portfolio for me, but that it's like a good project that I worked on and I'm proud of like being a part of. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I take the same approach. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So that keeps you uh, super committed. Um, I, I find I'm, you know, yeah, look, your, your willingness to just go deep is amazing. Yeah. Anyway, I was just curious about that. Um, look, we all do in film. I think it's a common trait. You I know. know. So I'm not, I don't want to lessen anyone else's, uh, commitment. Cause I can see that so many people are so super committed, but even with that in mind, you know, yeah, no, I mean, and I feel like that's what is also helps to keep working really hard is that everyone else is too. Like, everyone's in it, like, super deep. Yeah. Like, no one has a life. Everyone's just super absorbed in the project. And, like, that, when you're surrounded by people who care so much, it's really hard not to. Yep. Yep. And, yeah, I remember uh, working one time with uh, Anthony Katagas, who's, like, a bit of a consultant or what you know he's a friend in the industry occasionally i'll touch base with and he you know he's won best picture for uh 12 years of slave and done a bunch of things as a producer and we were doing this short film together and he was like i was uh producing he was executive producing and he was like you know he just we were on this group thread you know like we had one of these message threads that was just good for getting things done and things were starting to get a little chaotic. Like there was a few curveballs that had come up and maybe, you know, it was a more challenging time for some of the crew. And he would just stepped in and was like, well, if we're going to do something, do it strong, you know? Yeah. And it was like, is if we're doing this, let's be all in, you know, because that's how we win. You know, that's at yeah. the end of the day, like if the project is good and we're associated with it, then... Uh, I know you know, then we all win. So it was just, it was interesting to see him like just gently remind everyone, you know what I mean? It wasn't like people were upset or whatever, but you can kind of tell the vibe is shifting, you know? Yeah. I feel like that always happens. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it was always a point where everyone's like, everyone gets a little frustrated, but. Exactly. But he was able to recognize it and bring it back around very quickly. Like he could see the problem coming before it got there. And I thought that was cool. Yeah. But it's a similar idea of like, yeah, like if we're doing this, you know, let's do it all in. And also like the project is what's important, you know? Yeah. Some people don't realize that. I feel like, like for some people I work, like maybe not in the art department as much, although sometimes in the art department, it's like, it's just a job. And like, all they do is complain. And it's like, but you know what this industry is, you know what this job is like, and like, they don't seem to care about the success of the project. They just care about getting their paycheck. And those people are the unhappy people. (laughs) Yeah. That that's how to like have a job that you makes you unhappy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
what do they say? There's a saying around this, uh, you know, energy flows where focus goes or something like that. You know, if you focus mm -hmm. on the complaining and the problem, yeah, then, uh, I know. then that's what you start to notice more and more of, you know? Yeah. Um, I think everyone just needs to figure out in life what makes them happy and do that. <laughs> like, there you go, folks. <laughs> Words of wisdom from Naomi Monroe. Don't do it if it doesn't make you happy. I mean, everyone needs a paycheck, but I don't know. I, w I don't stick with things I don't like. <laughs> Absolutely. And so, uh, and then one other thing on this, which we kind of skipped over, when you're doing your hiring, what do, uh, what do you look for in people? Or oh. if you're choosing a project, like if you're meeting somebody, how do you attract the good energy? You've got great energy. And I feel like you, it's really hard to tell because in an interview, everyone always tries to put out the good energy and that's not always who they are. <laughs> so it's kind of, it's hard, it's hit or miss, but um, like for me, the most important thing is attitude. It's like, if they don't have the skills, I can teach them is how I feel. Like, and of course I want to get skilled people, but like, I definitely don't want to be working with someone who is going to be complaining all the time. Mm -hmm. That is like, it, even if they're the best at what they do, I that's not what I want to be doing for the next six months dealing with that person. Mm -hmm. And there are plenty of people who are really good with really good attitudes out there. So usually it's, it's all based on references. Like you just have to call around because an interview doesn't do much. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Right. You have to see how they handle stress. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. And then having looked at, these choices and the values um, that you've had to make them at different points in your life. Is there anything that you will modify moving forward or stay aware of maybe more consciously? Um, well, the, I know that like the more that I've worked, the more that I understand. Well, actually there is one big lesson that I've learned, which is that, Initially, when like I started out in the industry, I, I felt like it was really important to say no when you, when someone wants something that that like a director wants something that is completely out of the realm of the budget mm -hmm. uh, and or will overwork your crew or whatever. And like I I said no a lot, mm -hmm. um, and I realize now that that is actually not the way to go. <laughs> okay, tell us about that. Yeah, like it's what you have to do and what I've gotten way better at, like, I like this was a beginner phase thing when I would say no all the time is you just have to, you have to figure out a way, a solution, a way to get what the director wants or what, what the creators want. Um, and a way, and if it, if it's way over budget, you have to try to get it not over budget, but then you just give it to the producer. And you're like, look, this is the solution. This is like what I came up with. Mm -hmm. And now it's in your hands. You can pay for it or you can not pay for it, but you really do have to try to make it happen and present a solution mm -hmm. without just saying no. And that makes everyone feel better about the situation and it feels more collaborative. And it's just like, so now I'm not a no person. I'm a yes person. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a funny thing too. Yeah. Uh, did you ever see the movie Yes Man with uh, Jim Carrey? 
No, I haven't, but absolutely. I do love him, Carrie. <laughs> it's an amazing movie. I love the movie Yes Man, and he learns to say yes all the time, and, uh, and how that changes his life. Uh, but I see, but this is more of a strategy thing. I think then I guess it's a little strategy, a little psychology, but learning to also use your team. I mean, the production department is there to settle these budget issues so that you don't have to, you, yeah. and you, have, to learn, you have to learn to say yes without abusing anyone. Like yeah. there, the reason why I started out being a no person is because I worked for people who had no regard for how late and hard everyone was working and how little they were getting paid for it. Yeah. So it turned me into a person who's just like, no, I'm not treating my crew that way. That like, that's this, you need to give me more. Uh, but instead of being defensive like that, when you become a, when you start saying yes more and you start coming up with solutions, whether or not, even if it starts out just being a strategy where you're making the producer be the one who says no, mm -hmm. it starts making you think in a different way where you actually want it to be yes. Mm -hmm. and you want you don't want the answer to be no. You want the answer to be yes. And, and sometimes they will give you more. And like, it's just like, well, that's not our job. That's the producer's job to figure out what's worth it. But, mm -hmm. but then when you start thinking about always trying to make something happen, it just changes your mindset. Mm -hmm. So that's something you've already learned. Is that something you're going to employ, uh, like uh, apply more often or? It's a, yeah, it's a constant thing that I try to do. Like I catch myself wanting to, wanting to be like, no, this isn't going to work because of this or that. And I, I'm like, okay, I never, like, I, it's a, it's a struggle for me still sometimes, but it's like, I'm getting more and more, like, it's becoming more natural to me to just always only come up with solutions. Yeah. Just be solution oriented. Yeah. That's a good thing for all of life probably. Yeah. So Naomi, thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. I feel like I learned a lot. I'm excited. Bye. Hopefully, I'm glad. <laughs> I hope it was okay. <laughs> yeah, great, it was great. Um, so, I'll let you know when it's on Spotify, YouTube, etc. I want to hear everyone else's. Absolutely, I'm excited to uh, do them and learn and see what folks are up to. Cool. Special thank you to Joshua Riley for whipping up the beat, and thank you for listening.